I'll be reading John 10, 1 to 18. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came after me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You may be seated. Well, I <clears throat> greet you this morning in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who... Uh, we were, Dave was reading about, and uh, the one who gave his life for our redemption. As uh, would like to uh, this morning uh, look at uh, Jesus' prayer in uh, John 17. And I was uh, trying to. Uh, envisioned uh, the journey that Jesus was taking here. Uh, I think this prayer was given uh, between uh, his uh, time in the upper room with his disciples and uh, leaving there, uh, going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, I find it kind of interesting as some of the statements that Jesus makes in his prayer 
just before he was giving his life, blood for the redemption of mankind. And so, um, something that I noticed in this prayer that I had somehow looked over prior to this, and that is the phrase that he uses in praying to his father, and uh, there in uh, verse 2 in John 17, uh, he says, Thou hast given him power over all flesh, uh, referring to himself. And uh, the uh, thou hast given him power over the flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Had never noticed that idea that Jesus is recognizing his believers and his disciples as having been given to him by the Father. I'm not sure what all that uh, entails there. Again, in, in uh, verse 4, he, I glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou, ha which thou gavest me to do. And then uh, verse 6, there's 11 times that he makes reference to him giving or, yeah, giving what the Father has given to him. And uh, we, uh, I'm not sure if we can fully comprehend the uh, way that uh, God gave to us his son and how how the son gave himself for it and uh, i don't know if there's a way that we could learn and a way that we could encourage one another and uh, to see that through scripture god is wanting to have us experience the best in this life and so he gave us instruction of uh, how we should do that. And now Christ, on his, uh, his last uh, hours, I'm not sure how much time was, was given here, from the time he was with his disciples in the upper room and then leaving there and uh, then... Uh, having this prayer uh, just before going to the cross. Now, it's interesting that Jesus on his way, uh, knowing what was going to take place, makes no attempt to escape. Uh, there at the upper room after uh, he, he had washed their feet, he makes a statement, uh, uh, let us move on. In essence, that's what he was saying. And then uh, in the last part of, uh, I'm sure I don't have that marked down, 
after leaving the upper room again, he is saying, the hour has come, the time is here, let's go. And uh, the disciples, of course, not understanding uh, what all this meant and what all was going to take place. And yet uh, we believe, according to the scripture, that uh, Christ very well knew what was coming. So going to the 17th chapter here, he, uh, the word, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son may glorify thee. <clears throat> now, uh, some translations would transfer, translate the word glorify as honoring. Uh, honor, uh, the hour is come. Honor thy son, that thy son may honor thee. Verse 2 then, he says, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now, if someone asks you the question, how would you define eternal life? Uh, or, yeah, salvation and eternal life. Uh, Jesus here in his prayer, he says that this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Uh, can we honestly say that we know the Father and the Son? Jesus said, if you know me, you know my father. Read uh, in an article just recently where the writer said that uh, a man, a person that has never read the Bible from cover to cover cannot really know God. And uh, some of you... Remember when Dan Root was here, he talked about this book as being a story and how that everything fits together like a puzzle and uh, each, everything has its place. When we only know part of what God has said, uh, we can't really know what all else he said. It is like someone told... Uh, told me one time, he said that the problem, the reason people have problem with the book of Revelation is because they don't know what else the Bible says about it. And so he said, he illustrated it like this, where he said that it's like receiving a 10-page letter from a friend or someone, and we read the last page first, and there is reference made to things that he had written before that we can't understand because we don't know what the rest of it says. And so uh, I wish I could say that uh, I 
I fully know the whole book. I am very aware and very uh, convinced that uh, this book all fits together as a puzzle and each part of it is in its place uh, by itself. And so God has from creation to uh, full redemption has a plan for man and then uh, as we learn that we can understand better. Uh, in John 3.16 we have the passage that says for God so loved the world that whosoever doesn't say understandeth but whosoever believeth shall be saved. And so uh, the man of the world will say, show me and I will believe. God says, believe me and I will show you. It is not until we believe his word that we can understand it. And of course, uh, in this life, we will hardly ever fully understand. And so, but God is asking us that we believe his word and uh, we uh, get to know God and his son as we learn what he says about himself and what he says about his son. Uh, so he says here in verse 3 that uh, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And then uh, Christ, in his prayer here in verse 4, he says, I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And uh, this, uh, you know, somehow takes on a new meaning for me when I realize that Christ is praying this on his way from the, from the upper room to Gethsemane. And he knows it's going to take place. He knows when it's going to take place. He keeps telling his disciples, uh, we need to move on, uh, on their way to Gethsemane. And then in verse 5, he says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now, we have other scriptures that make reference to our salvation that was uh, planned by God before the foundation of the world. And so uh, when God created man, he had already in his plan uh, the way that these people even though they will sin, uh, there is a way to come to him. But the, the thing is, there is only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. And uh, that uh, wonderful passage 
in, uh, we have it in Luke, we have it in uh, John, there in the upper room, when Jesus passed the cup, he said, this is the New Testament in my blood shed for you. If we go to the Hebrew writer then, uh, we are uh, shown that uh, the blood of Jesus Christ was the only way to salvation. All the blood of bulls and goats that was shed throughout the ages could never take away sin. And then my mind goes to John the Baptist uh, when he was there uh, preaching and he saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And... Uh, all the offerings that were made before the offering of Jesus was only a covering for a time. And uh, would also, then God recognized that until the blood of Jesus was shed for our redemption. Uh, let's go to, uh, now, here in this prayer, uh, from uh, verses uh, 1 through 5, Jesus prays for himself. In verses uh, uh, 9, in verses 6 through 19, Jesus prays for his disciples. In uh, Then in verse... 20 through 26, Jesus prays for all believers. He prays for those who were uh, born after uh, the uh, time of Jesus and so on. And so in his, uh, his redemption plan, he has included all people. We go to 1 John 2, uh, where he says, These things have I written unto you, little children, that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And he says, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And that takes me back, uh, probably not many of you remember when uh, Overholt uh, would have been related to Dave's wife, uh, was in, served in Germany, and he had meetings here one week. And in uh, the close of his one message, he said that if anybody is here, that uh, will spend eternity in hell, he said it will not be because of any sin that you have committed, but it will be because you have rejected the pardon that is provided by Jesus Christ in the shedding of his own blood. And so 
Here in verse 6 then, he says, I have manifested, my na manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. And uh, I think that throughout this prayer, we notice that there is a, a premium on keeping the word of God. And uh, let me uh, just encourage us here that uh, the word of God is the word from God to us and that in that word, he time and again encourages us that he wants us to experience victory in this life through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here, uh, there is a premium on keeping the word of God. Blessed are they that read and blessed are they that keep his word and do his word, our words from the scripture. In verse 7 then, he says, Now, now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. And so whatever Jesus had, Jesus uh, time and again talked to, his, to the people, to the multitudes, that the words that he say are not his own. They are from the Father. The works that he did were not his own, but they were also the works of the Father. And so, he is encouraging us throughout Scripture. Verse 8, I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Sometimes I hardly know how to express what I feel. The greatness of the provision for us here in this life and uh, the hereafter is only uh, what comes uh, because of what we are in Christ. Uh, I don't know how to best say that. Verse 9, he says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And uh, there are times, I think, when Jesus... Uh, uh, did pray for the world. I just, I didn't mark that reference down. But in this prayer, he has centered it around his disciples and upon those who will believe. Uh, and uh, verse 10, and all mine are thine, thine are mine, I am glorified in them. 
there's something about our response to what Jesus did for us that brings honor to, to uh, God and to Christ. And uh, I think uh, likewise other ways it must uh, uh, be a uh, disappointment and maybe much more than that to Jesus when we simply neglect his word and what he has done for us. And so let us encourage one another to glorify him. Verse 11, now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. And there's a, a phrase that I, I don't know how to explain that by the merits of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, he has made it possible for us to be one with him and with God and with each other. I don't know how to I don't know how to explain that. It's beyond almost my comprehension. Verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. He's putting something in here about the name of God. Now there are times in scripture, especially uh, through the time of the kings, where God withheld judgment for a certain people for the sake of someone of his, for his name's sake somehow that his name is at stake and his name is at stake in uh, in how we respond to him verse 12 while i was with them in the world i kept them in in thy name and those that thou gavest me i have kept and um, i'm sorry i had read that it was uh, how that the son of that uh, his disciples were how does he say that those that thou gavest me i have kept none of them is lost but the son of perdition verse 13 now came, come i to thee and these things i speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves Can you uh, feel with me the joy of salvation at the moment that you realize that your sins are forgiven 
And uh, this here gives indication that that joy is mutual with God when that takes place. He says here, uh, I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So we could say that God wants us to have joy in this life. And it is only possible as we come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Not, there's not uh, real joy when we uh, are just doing things for ourselves and uh, become very selfish and ungrateful for things that we have. Verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Now, uh, there are a, a number of translations that add, uh, talking about keep them from the evil, uh, and they uh, translated keep them from the evil one, and that is Satan himself. So Jesus is not praying that uh, God should just take his take the believers out of the world, but that he would keep us and provide for us what we need here in this life. Uh, see, how does Titus put that? The grace of God that appears unto all men, hath appeared unto all men, that uh, they should uh, live righteously. Uh, and I'm not getting that. But he says that we should be experiencing fullness of life in this present world. This is only a foretaste of what has God has provided for us beyond. But if we don't get it now, if we don't get that uh, eternal life now, we will never have it. It isn't provided after death for unbelievers. And, uh, and so verse 16, he says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And then he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. There are scriptures that would indicate that uh, it is God's word that, that brings us to salvation. And here he refers to that as truth. He says, thy word is truth. And interesting to me that the word truth is never used in the plural in Scripture. 
This isn't a book of a lot of truths, plural. It is one. It all fits together. And so uh, we could ask ourselves the question, are we living in truth? And God uh, has provided it for us that we can be cleansed and have clean and pure hearts here in this life, experiencing joy and whatever God wants for us. And so, verse 18, excuse me, uh, verse 18, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Jesus, by sanctifying himself, has provided for us that we can experience the same thing uh, as we walk in truth. Now then, in, uh, from here, verse 20 through 26, he, he talks about, um, about those uh, who will come after his time, I think. And that is for all believers. Now he says, and now I pray in verse 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through, through their word, that they may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So... Do we expect that, uh, let, me, let me say it another way, do we understand that our response to, um, to God's call on our life makes a difference for, for the world? And that does our lives and our mingling with them uh, at all have any effect in drawing them to God? Do they really want what we have? And uh, see, in John, uh, hmm, earlier in the gospel, Jesus said that uh, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one for another. And as I alluded to earlier, I, I'm still not quite able to fully compre comprehend of this idea of being one with God and with Christ as we are one with another. And uh, 
So the Bible seems to give a picture of eternity with God and uh, with Christ and all of us together somehow being one. Uh, the rest of this uh, this here where he says in uh, verse 22, And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And uh, that perfection in oneness uh, uh, kind of... Uh, intrigues me and I don't know how to say it notice in verse 23 that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them and thou hast loved me do our lives give indication that we love God and that we love each other. Verse 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. There we have that idea again that this was in God's plan when he started and before he created heaven and earth and again I don't know where to take that then we have uh, the um, verse 25 and 26 O righteous father the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it that the love wherewith thou loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now, the Apostle Paul talks about... Uh, how that we should be heirs and joint heirs with Christ and how can that be it's by the merits of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and that's the intention when we when God brings everything together in, uh, in eternity, when all evil is subdued and all judgment is over, there will be a group of people that will all see themselves as nothing for themselves. Maybe that's not the right way to say it. But anyhow, uh, let's go to Second Peter 3.
my, one of my favorite verses where he talks about the end of the world and how the earth is going to melt and all the, the elements shall melt. And then he says, uh, but we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And again, can you imagine with me being in, in an environment where everything is right? There's nothing to distract us but from that which is holy and righteous. And being one with each other, being one with God and with his son. Can we, as believers in Jesus Christ, encourage one another to that kind of an environment right now? I believe that God has made provision for that. If we can learn how to love and encourage one another to what God has provided for us, yes, in eternity, but also for right now. Somehow, I believe we would do well to think more about where are we going to spend eternity. And uh, somehow the things of this earth would kind of lose their attraction for us. And uh, again, I don't know how to say it, but I believe that God would want for us maybe something a little better than what we are experiencing in our lives here when we get all wrapped up in uh, the uh, things of this world. And uh, yes, I believe God does expect of us that we provide for our families and all that. But we might have some frills that we could do without that would be honoring to God. And so may we, as we reflect on what Christ did, his prayer for us, and uh, I should have uh, um, maybe included that in the, uh, the first verse in chapter 18 right after the prayer is, is uh, complete it says when Jesus had spoken these words he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples and that would be another part of the story 
if we would go into Gethsemane there and uh, see what all is recorded that took place there and how that Christ there uh, prayed some more and uh, at least made a suggestion to the Father, isn't there some other way uh, because of having to go through that so that we can have eternal life. May God bless us and may we be able to encourage one another. For those who can, let's kneel and thank the Lord. Our God and Heavenly Father, we bow before you with gratitude and praise and honor and glory to you for your wonderful and marvelous grace that you have provided for us salvation in the merits of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of having fellow believers to fellowship with and pray that uh, we could uh, encourage one another. Thank you for your word. And pray that we could uh, learn what uh, you want us to learn day by day and somehow would be able to uh, comprehend more of what you really want for us as we claim to be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, do pray this morning for those in uh, Prairie County, pray for the youth and for our community and other gatherings today that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ could be exalted. And may we be able to learn how to honor you in the way that you honor us. And so we commit ourselves to you. I pray that as we go from here, we could encourage one another and be able to say yes to your will. Thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat>